So good morning again. Um, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, so this morning, I'm, I'm excited to be preaching on, on John uh, 9. So we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus healing the blind man. So at first glance, this looks like uh, the main point of the story, right? Jesus healing the blind man. Like that's, it's miraculous. But there's so much more going on in this story. I think if it was just about the, the healing, uh, the story would end at verse 7, right? It's healed, great. Um, moving on from there. But there's another 34 verses. So why were these included? So we're going to take a look at this a bit closer today. So I'm going to be kind of reading through the, uh, the whole chapter, um, whole of chapter 9 this morning. Uh, so bear with me. Uh, not all in one chunk, don't worry. Just, it's going to be okay. So um, here we go. John 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? So nothing like jumping right into an intense theological discussion in the first two verses. Thank you, disciples. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? The disciples are sharing a common belief that disability and sickness are caused by sin that was committed by the affected individual. They're asking a theological question. C.S. Lewis called it the problem of pain. They're trying to make sense of God's justice in this unfortunate situation. They're asking Jesus, why would a loving God allow a baby to be born blind? I mean, how is that fair? Surely, they thought, there must be someone to blame. Otherwise, it seems that God is unfair. And how could a just and loving God be unfair? Since God can't be unfair, then he must be punishing the blind man uh, for his or his parents' sins. So this is a theological question uh, that we've been debating, I don't know, since forever. <laughs> Why do bad things happen? So it would be easy to dismiss the disciples as the villains here, uh, but they surely think they're being faithful to the common theology inherited from Leviticus, uh, chapter 17 to 26, if you want to do some homework, where uh, holiness equals physical flawlessness. So they see this man solely as his disability, his blindness. Who sinned, this man or his parents? They are so focused on the cause of his disability that they don't see the man right in front of them. They see his identity as his blindness. A blindness that I would argue they incorrectly link to sin in his life or in, in the life of his family. So Amy Kenny, in her book, uh, My Body is Not a Prayer Request, uh, puts it this way. They aren't excluding the blind man for the sake of exclude, excluding him, but they want to remain faithful to their notions of who is in and who is out. In their minds, it's much simpler if there's a neat conflation of sin and disability, if sin equals disability. The disciples understand the disabled body as public property that they can control interpret, and then reject. No disabled person 
can sit with them. So as we'll see, Jesus has another take on this. But I wanted to touch on the fact that we still see this type of thinking in churches today. Uh, maybe you've heard people say things like, it's because of a lack of faith that you aren't being healed. Or, this is happening to you because there must be an unconfessed sin in your life. So this is the same theological understanding that, that the disciples are running with. So Jesus, however, takes a completely different tack. I'm going to continue reading in verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. So in, in typical Jesus fashion, Jesus addresses their question by pointing out that they're looking at things the wrong way around. Jesus is always like that, answering questions with questions or just flipping things upside down. So they're trying to place the blame somewhere, but that's not how God works. The man's blindness is not retribution for someone's sin, but it's an opportunity for us to encounter God. Our assumption should not be that when we have hardship in life, that God is punishing us, or that the hard times are the result of sin in our lives. Challenging circumstances, pain, struggle, and brokenness have a, way, have a way of clearing out the distractions that we surround ourselves with. I just want to be clear here. I'm not saying that we should be thankful for the pain that we experience in our lives. Life can be really hard. I believe that Jesus is with us in our pain, though. He is there guiding us, holding us, and encouraging us to keep moving forward. I also believe that the Jesus that I know and follow is in the business of putting wrong things right, even if it doesn't look anything like I imagined. So pain and tragedy are opportunities for us to see how God is working in the world to put it to rights. Jesus interacts with the blind man in a different way than the disciples do. He sees him for more than just his disability. Jesus talks to the man. He touches him. Jesus sees him for who he is, made in the image of God. He 
He also makes mud with his spit and wipes it across the blind man's eyes, which is kind of gross, <laughs> gonna be honest. But this, this action is an echo of creation. So by spitting on the ground, creating mud, uh, just as humankind was created from the dust in Genesis. So this story should have a happy ending. A man has been blind from birth. He's cured by Jesus. It's a miracle. Everyone should be excited about this. But his community and the religious leaders see it differently. And we're going to continue reading in verse 13. Or sorry, verse 12. Um, Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. And if you all remember, you don't do work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked him, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough. He's old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and told him. God should get the glory for this, because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I love this response. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. (laughs) But what did he do? He asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Right? They're so feisty. I love that. (laughs) Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. That that didn't make them feel very good. (laughs) You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you teaching us? And then they threw him out of the synagogue. So here we see the religious leaders have all the power. They decide who is allowed to be a part of the community. And because this man who is blind has the gall to stand up to them, they throw him out of the synagogue. 
This man who was born blind, cut off from the community since birth because of his disability, should have been welcomed in with open arms. They should have thrown a party. There should have been a celebration, a feast. Instead, the religious leaders are blinded by their pride and their understanding, their understanding of how the world works according to them. They need the worlds to work a certain way to feel like they have control to retain their power. And then along comes Jesus. So throughout the Gospels, Jesus consistently flips everything upside down. He throws out cultural norms by touching those who are unclean and by engaging those deemed undesirable. God's kingdom isn't like the kingdoms that we create. His is a kingdom where the blind see and those who think they can see are actually blind and in need of healing. So Jesus stated, I am the light of the world. This is, again, a deliberate callback to the creation story in Genesis where God creates light. So throughout the whole of this story run the themes of light and darkness, sight and seeing, or sorry, sight and blindness. Um, how Jesus tells it, however, the people who think they can see are the ones who are actually blind and in the dark, not the man who was born blind. I'm going to continue in verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshipped Jesus. And Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying that we're blind? Jesus answered, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. So Jesus turns this around on the religious leaders. It's not the blind man who is the sinner, but in fact, the religious leaders themselves who are in the wrong. The religious leaders believed that they could lead others, and yet they are the blind leading the blind. Their primary sin is not spiritual ignorance of any kind, but having the pride and the hubris to judge others without first looking to the example of love found in Jesus. The blind man was transformed from being physically and spiritually blind to full-sightedness and recognizing Jesus as Lord. However, the only healing available for the religious leaders is the path of unseeing. Unlearning and tearing down the systems of oppression that they have created to support their own fragile power. So, how do we avoid acting and thinking in the same patterns as the disciples and the religious leaders? As a church, we have to recognize that for many people, the church has supported the societal structures and attitudes that have treated people with disabilities as objects of pity and paternalism. 
the church has been physically inaccessible and socially inhospitable. Just as the blind man was treated by the religious leaders, people with disabilities have not always been addressed in ways that affirm their dignity and their self-understanding. So how do we, as level ground, change that narrative? I think the answer lies in Jesus' response to the man that he healed. Jesus didn't simply heal him physically, he also sought him out after he heard that the religious leaders had expelled him from the synagogue. Jesus extended community to this man when he once again found himself alone and outcast. A poll in 2018 found that 67% of people feel uncomfortable talking to a person with a disability. That's a striking statistic. 67%. Especially when you factor in that people with disabilities make up approximately a quarter of the North American population. So disability is a part of our world. As a community of faith, our instinct should not be to pray it away, but to open our eyes to see where God is being revealed in our very midst. As followers of Jesus, the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we brave enough to follow Jesus where he is leading us? In Luke chapter 14, Jesus gives us a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. It's a feast, a banquet, where the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind are invited to the table. So those who are poor, crippled, blind, and lame don't have anything to offer the host other than themselves. They are not influencers or celebrities. They can't repay the host at all. They are simply wanted. They are simply enough. Disabled folks are mentioned at this great banquet not as a form of pity or even as a precursor to curing their bodies. They are included to show who God invites to the table. The kingdom of God is a banquet, and this banquet is accessible. And the beauty of this banquet is that there is enough for everyone at the table. So earlier this morning, we participated in communion, where we symbolically ate and drank at Jesus' table together. As followers of Jesus, we can be a community that welcomes all to the table. We can follow Jesus in seeing the person instead of just the disability. We can focus on creating spaces for all to belong. Jesus is calling us to be a part of making the world more like his kingdom, an accessible kingdom. How are we ensuring that our gatherings are welcome to all? How are we working for the flourishing of all who are part of our church family? How are we following Jesus by serving those we come into contact with? Healing is holistic. It's not simply a cure. Healing is the restoration of the relationship between each person, between God, self, and community. 
Jesus proceeds to cure the man who is blind and also heals him by welcoming him to his banquet table. Jesus showed this man love, included him, and showed him that he belonged. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your table is accessible to all. We thank you that you are here amongst us, guiding and leading, challenging us. We thank you that you've invited us to be a part of making your kingdom present here on earth, that we can participate in each other's healing by providing space as a community where all can belong, all can feel like they are worth it. All can remember that they are made in the image of God, no matter who they are, no matter if they have a disability or are able-bodied. We thank you for that gift and that reminder this morning, Jesus. Amen.